0: in chairs. I don't know. Chairs. Everybody, I said chairs. I need 3. You got 2. Hey guys, welcome back to the corn podcast. I'm the great and powerful mystery
1: and I am your favorite J clone 27. This is the my f- favorite model of mine. 27.
0: Favorite model, huh? Yes. All right. So, before we get rock and roll into today's Awesome, well-requested subject. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to take a moment, because we haven't done this in a long time, or ever. What's that? Just welcome new listeners.
1: Oh, yes. If you're just now joining us. Because we've had thousands of
0: you the last couple of weeks, probably. like We had some big spikes. Yeah. So, welcome. We're Codes of Corn Podcast. We like to say we're a scientific and magical thing combined. Hopefully you enjoy the show. I have a background in biology, and Clone J, master here, has a background in all things conspiratorial.
1: And, uh... <laughs> Uh, the new tagline I kind of created over I think past couple conferences, Mister E will tell you uh, the facts, but Old J will tell you the truth.
0: Yes, that's, that'll probably be a t-shirt here soon. <laughs> uh, no, so welcome. Uh, thank you guys for joining. We have tons and tons of backlog. We have an amazing Patreon with all kinds of cool stuff. We do two things a month in there, extra content.
1: We're hard, you know we're building our cult up, our corn cult. We do a lot of cult stuff in the corn. Yeah, the corn call mm-hmm. and the Patreon, so.
0: I just want to take a minute and just welcome and everybody so in. Welcome all our new listeners. I was just thinking about that because I listen to a bunch of podcasts, and they do it every, like, probably once a month in an episode. Yeah. They say, you know, welcome. I'm thinking, like, we've
1: never done that. Yeah. We're just a train that, We're a train that's going to keep rolling, and if you're not going to jump aboard, you're going to get steamrolled by us. We're well, th- threatening to do people. Wow. <laughs> Geez, <laughs> right off the rip. Steamrolled in a loving way, though. You Steamrolled know? in a loving way. Yes. All right. So jo- join. Just join us. Into today's
0: topic is the
1: uncanny valley. The uncanny valley, huh?
0: So, this is something uh, that gets used a lot. You hear these words thrown around a lot, uncanny valley. And we've used it a lot on our show. And we've said it. Now, we may
1: have given a brief description,
0: but we're going to go into a lot of it today.
1: What? Why isn't it called the uncanny gully? it doesn't roll off the time i'm going name. to tell
0: you why it's called a valley but you made me laugh because <laughs> it's not a place i know and i've even heard some paranormal podcasts think about it like a place like it's a spot it's not it's not and you even said it right before we got on here the headless yeah, valley
1: yeah that's, that's what made me think of the uncanny uh holler okay uncanny holler
0: yeah, it's probably already something i'm it sure probably is that's probably just never mind i about said something inappropriate no Uh, Anyways, we're going to talk about genetic fears. Hmm. So that's what we're going to get into first. Uh, So humans have genetic fears. And what that means is not all people are disposed to this, but most people at least start out with these fears. They're
1: just baked into your DNA. Yes,
0: because you've either... uh, Most scientists believe we've lost enough humans to these things uh, that it's just something that's a natural warning system.
1: Generational trauma. It is, it is.
0: Uh, So the big one is spiders. Generally, humans, on, on, you know, and I'm not scared of spiders, but I'm not going to just randomly pick up spiders.
1: Right. I'm, I'm very J- slow. Not Jimmy.
0: I'm very slow, and spiders are very fast.
1: Oh, dang it. I forgot. I wanted to give a shout out. Remember, we talked about it before the show started, but it's too late now. I'll get it later.
0: You sure?
1: Should I do it now, real quick? Let nah. me finish this whole ah, yeah. segment. All right. Uh, we'll just keep moving forward. Let's just power we'll through just this. We'll just have episode. to do it the
0: next episode. Yep. Anyways, spiders. This this first genetic fear. Uh, most spiders, almost all spiders, are venomous. Most spiders' venom doesn't affect us, but the ones that do gen- tend to be very rough.
1: Brown recluse. Yeah. Black I mean, widows. Brown
0: recluses are in this house. Great. I've makes seen them, several.
1: Makes me feel just comfortable.
0: I've never been bit by one. Grandma got bit by one and lost like skin on her two fingers. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah.
1: I do not want to be bit by one. Yeah,
0: I've never, I've never bothered them. They've never bothered me. I'm not ever sure how she got bit. It never made sense to me.
1: I have a funny spider story that scared me once. Yeah. So one time I was sleeping. This is back when I, you know, just out of high school, still living in mom and dad's house, living in the basement. You know, it's a finished basement, but it just sounds funny. I like saying it. But I just think you say
0: when you were living at mom and dad's house. Yeah. What about it? Because you just moved out of the basement into the house next door
1: on the same property. It just makes me laugh. Oh, yeah. Because you're still. I'm at their place. I'm now I'm in my childhood home. It just is. It's, it makes me laugh. Uh, yeah. But I was laying in the basement watching TV on my side and literally a foot in front of my face, a spider on a web dropped right in front of me. <laughs> this happened to me more than once. Now in the house I'm in now, I was sleeping, getting ready to sleep, you know, laying there in bed, tossing, turning. And I rolled over and looked straight up at the ceiling and literally right above me descending from a web on route to my face was another spider coming down a web, literally. Co- and I coming just, for you. I just so happened to look up and it was two feet, and I'd like rolled over and watched it drop right onto my pillow. So I, I, I don't have, I, but I don't have a fear of spiders, but those like, oh, that like, makes whoa! you jump. Whoa. I was like, whoa. I mean, if
0: a spider's out of nowhere, it makes you jump.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, snakes are the next one.
1: Yeah, and I don't like snakes. I'm not a fan of snakes.
0: And I get it. And it's like, and like I said, this is not everybody's. I've never been scared of snakes. Yeah. It's, it was actually a problem when we were little kids.
1: Oh, yeah. I've heard those uh, stories too. Yeah,
0: because especially we go down to Florida all the time. It's not like Ohio where you could pick up every snake. Yeah. I would pick up these giant black rat snakes and get lit up and not care. My whole arm would be bleeding and stuff yeah. like that. You just didn't the, care? You no, know, and I'd be dragging them out and stuff yeah. like this. and I just didn't care. <laughs> I also, used to, I told you the story of me hitting an alligator with a net and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, Uh So these are two of the big genetic fears. Uh, most humans are genetically disposo- d- disposed mm-hmm. to not like these things.
1: And snakes, and well, you saw me handle a gardener snake. Oh, my and, gosh,
0: the stupidest thing ever.
1: And I just, well, first of all, you didn't tell me how bad they stink, and my hands smelled awful. It smelled smelled like, like butt crack. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> it was must. awful. But I just don't like snakes because I can't. It's like when you grab onto them, they're, it's to me, you probably can sense how they're gonna move and stuff. It's just like their movement's unpredictable. It's
0: very not unpredictable.
1: But to me it is. And I'm sure snakes it's like are a lot all about of people. body language. Yeah. And they're i very easy to read. And I just uh uh couldn't do it. Now
0: here's the third one. Human like things. Now, when you look at the first two, you're like everybody knows it's snakes and spiders. Right. And it's weird to me that anthropologists and psychologists and stuff kind of spin this third one a different way. But we'll talk about that, and we'll connect it back to the paranormal, like always. Okay. But we're going to talk about the Uncanny Valley and what it actually is. So it's a hypothesized emotional response to a subject plotted against anthropomorphized... uh, Anthropomorphized, but there's a big fancy word for anthropomorphism. Okay. It's of robots uh, and robot-like things, AI... Um, mannequins, anything human-like, mm-hmm. and this follows uh, Marcello Mori's statements. So, the Uncanny Valley is a region of negative emotional responses towards robots that seem almost humans. And we're going to use the word robots for this. Yeah, but it's anything human-like. Gotcha. So, why it's called a valley is uh, there's a chart that I will try to remember to post. But basically, it's a chart showing our emotional response to how human a thing looks. And then there's a certain point where it drops to the negative, and then it comes back up. Wow! So that's called a valley.
1: So that's the it's, valley. It's a gra-
0: it's a va- it's a valley uh, in the graph. Yeah. Okay. So there's this stuff where we talk about humans and cartoons and robots that look, you know, very human, very human, very human, very human, to a point to where it's disturbing, and it causes almost every person to have a gut negative response, and then after it gets human enough, it jumps back up to being a positive response. Hmm. This is shown across every race of humans. Hmm. That's why it's a genetic response, right? All humans are the same genetic animal. Different races of humans all are the same, like subspecies, basically. Right, right, like dog breeds. Anything. It's we're all the same thing. Right. We have you know adapted to different climates and types and stuff like that. Um. But so all humans share this. Whether you're an Inuit, an African, a European, like all humans. Share this.
1: So what happened to all humans in the past and somewhere deep in our past so that, that th- r- promotes this fear response?
0: So the uh, it's weird. So if we look at this, uh, so humanoid robots stuffed animals are kind of this two graphs. So you kind of look at this uh, where they get to about, it kind of looks at 75% human. So most the human, it's where they go negatives. Uh, some of the examples are corpses, zombies, robots, uh, ii robots like the ones you see talking and stuff like yeah. that even prosthetic hands and it's weird a prosthetic arm and a prosthetic leg are on the positive side of the scale prosthetic hands hmm. are on the middle of the negative
1: i think that's adam's family ruin that
0: yeah, i don't know <laughs> keep in mind this is this is this is from you know this is a really old survey and it's been a, like, thousands if tens of thousands of people have all been a part of this yeah so, the uncanny valley is a Japanese term. It is hypothesized between the relationship between an object's degree of resemblance to a human being and emotional response to the object. The concept suggests that a humanoid object that imperfectly resembles an actual human uh, being provokes an uncanny or strangely familiar feeling of unease and revulsion in observ- observation. Hmm. And the valley is you know, the dip in human observation yeah. affirmed by the re- replica. The relationship would otherwise increase with the replica's le- human likeness.
1: Wow, so it's it's something that's appears human but is off just enough to for you to notice that. it's Yeah, off. so the
0: the valley. If you want the actual numbers, the valley drops dramatically. It goes from a really tall at seventy five or seventy four percent, looking like a human, is the highest before the dip, and then at seventy five percent, it drops to a negative gut response. And then again, at 85%, it jumps back up to a positive
1: response. So the more so more convincing it is, is. You're, I guess you're more few fooled. The brain goes back to being okay. Yeah, because it's fooled. It's, it's a
0: very—I don't know if it's fooled. I don't know if that's what's happening here directly. Okay. That's what some of these psychologists think, that it's fooling us back into being okay. Right. I think it's more that there's a very ancient thing that looked in this specific category that we have a fear of. Mm-hmm. So once we're out of that, the gut fear goes away.
1: Right. Makes sense.
0: Okay, so we're all on the same page? Yeah. Now everybody knows what the Uncanny Valley actually is. I'm going to tell you, I've heard it said thousands of times in other podcasts, and nothing against anybody. But when you don't explain what a term means, it's very confusing.
1: I mean, because it sounds like a actual place.
0: So a couple of examples of this phenomena are along robotics, 3D printed animations, and life like dolls. Uh, this, is, uh, this has been a rise in modern times with technologies like virtual reality, augmented reality, and prosthetics. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is a, a weird discussion in creation in the valley, such as the controversial, has enhanced the construction of first a metallic tube. Oh gosh, which is meaning uh, that a lot of these programmers are sh- they know about the valley, so they're shooting on the be other each side of it. Right, they either want it cartoony enough to where it doesn't evoke this r- response, or hyper realistic. Right, you can't have yeah. So th- th- that's all that word
1: means. That's that's pretty funny, though. That is
0: it you, as you're a programmer for augmented reality, virtual reality, or gaming design, you don't want to be in that valley?
1: So that's why that, like, I think, like the metaverse, it's like kind of cartoony ish.
0: Yes, they had to do it. The first, and it made people physically sick. Gosh. It had such a big fear response. Yeah. Because that's going toward, I'm going to talk about in a bit, that there's this this part of us. It's like, oh, gosh, I got to get away.
1: That knows this, hey, this is bad. Mm
0: hmm. The uncanny Valley hypothesis predicts that an entire that an entity appearing almost human uh risk collecting cold eerie feelings and views and this is why a lot of people believe that the a i ish robots now has such hatred towards them, yeah is that they they're trying like not them they the people that made them yeah tried to make them look human ish mm-hmm. and it's a genetic response
1: uh this has assigned people,
0: and I don't you me and you have different opinions on AI and such but mm-hmm. that. The, the appearance, the plasticky appearance of them, the eyes. The eyes are really what bothers me with them, is that they give them these eyes that never look right. Yeah. Because we purvey a lot of emotion through our eyes and that skin around our eyes. Well, the, you know, the
1: eyes are the portal to the soul, they mm-hmm. say.
0: and Well, we talk, humans talk with our faces. Yes. We do a lot with that. And it's, AI is just dead. And it's not its fault, it's just the way we made it. Right. So, Robotics Professor, that's the... Well, no, it is its fault. Mui. I've said his name different every time I've said it. Muhasu what? A Mahashiro Mubi- Marie. Anyways, it's the guy that made the Uncanny Valley oh, chart. Oh, okay. Uh, he's an early robotics from the 1970s guy. Oh, sweet. And he's the first one that kind of noticed this thing when he would make robots that looked too human and people freaked out about them. Yeah. But if he made them, like, look cartoony, everybody was fine.
1: Oh, like Osimo. That that Japanese, that first robot, that first, like, bipedal robot was called Osimo, A-S-I-M-O. It looks like, I mean, it doesn't look obvious. It's human-ish, but it's just very almost cartoony that's when remember uh south park did an episode where cartman made himself into the, like the robot but it was called awesome O, like the word awesome dash O. that's what yes, he called himself i do i do it's because he actually was called awesome O. <laughs> so <laughs> so goofy
0: the area of repulsive response aroused by robots and other similar things with the appearance monitored between somewhat human and fully human entities is in the uncanny valley like we've already said the name captures the idea that almost human-looking robots and other things seemingly have a strange to some human beings produce a feeling of uncanniness. This falls to invoke an emp- uh, fails to invoke an empathic response that requires for us to perceive human-like robot interactions positively.
1: Mm. Hmm. You with me so far? Yeah, I'm following along. All I right. just have a feeling I know where this might be going. and
0: Oh, you probably do. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Maybe you don't. Maybe I don't. We'll see. I don't know. I don't want to. Jo- I don't want to say it because I'll. I may throw you for a twist. Ooh, so, Night Shyamalan stuff. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of theories, uh, with this. Yeah. Why it causes this? Some I can get with. Some are just insane. Oh. Like anything. So uh, the first one I have for you was mate selection. Ooh. So we're talking genetic history. Yeah. Uh, basically, stimuli driven a period of uncanny stimuli erect aversions. By actively and involved cognitive mechanism to avoid selection of mates with low fertility or poor uh, hormonal health or ineffective immune systems, based on the visibility of facial features and body is predicted by those traits. Basically, this is saying this is a genetic throwback, just picking, n- n- not picking poor health right. mates.
1: You want suitable mates for to continue your genetics. Yes. Yes.
0: So that these things respoke the response of what a maybe a sick or sickly human would look like. So it kind of averts us towards that. Okay. Morality silencing. Or mortality, I'm sorry, mortality oh. silencing. Okay,
1: that makes more sense.
0: Is that there's a fear of death genetically imbued in humans, ah. which is another disease thing. Uh, so these things, we want to, dead bodies are full oh, of I disease. Oh, I
1: understand.
0: Yes. You know, very quickly, the gut biomes and stuff like that can become very dangerous to living humans. Yep. So that this is a thing that is a fear response to get us to move away from dead bodies. Hmm. That these human-like things look almost dead to us. You know, the no blood flow in the face and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So that there's a genetic throwback saying, uh, "Get away! This is a dead body."
1: Yeah. You don't need that. That's why dead bodies, human dead bodies, stinks so much worse than any other. And it's, it works
0: for almost every animal. That yeah. like their own most time, like sharks. Yeah. The best shark repellent is made from dead sharks. Really? Yeah.
1: Wow, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, because it freaks them out. Yeah. Because if there's a bunch of dead sharks around, it's probably not the best place for me to be. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so there's actually like shark gel that is made from dead shark.
1: Ooh, shark gel. Mm-hmm.
0: It's, it's It smells
1: awful, but does it? Ugh.
0: Uh, there's a bunch of videos of, like great white sharks like in Feeding Frenzy. Yeah. And then they release a little bit of this gel and, Gone. and then it takes off.
1: Shark gel. And it's made
0: from liquefied dead sharks. That's crazy.
1: Humanely <laughs> sourced,
0: they say. Yeah. I don't know if that's right. So what do you think about that one so far? What do you think? Well, we got mate selection and mortality.
1: Uh, they make sense. They make sense. I'm not saying this right. all of it, but yeah, it makes sense. I'm on board.
0: All right. Pathogen avoidance,
1: which is still following,
0: We're still in the same kind of vein. Yeah. The incanated syllabi may activate a cognitive me- a mechanism to originally evolve to motivate the avoidance of potential sources of pathogens, uh, and it what it gets us our disgust response. Yeah. Uh, the more human an organism looks, the stronger aversion it detects, basically saying that uh, we can get diseases from human-like things. Especially and they if think they're... this may be back from when there's other species of humans still on the planet. Mm, okay. Uh, that they could have stuff, I mean, like, the, when white settlers came from Europe to Na- uh, to North America, then they didn't have immune systems built for what the pathogens they brought.
1: Right, like the blemies and stuff. Like and the, the blemmies. And the uh, sauropod, sauropod people. No. That, not sauropod. What Pseudopod. I think? Pseudopod. Is that it?
0: Yes. Pseudopod yeah. means just big foot. Yes. Sauropod means large, like it's a dinosaur with a large foot. Oh, that's foot. right. Yeah. Anyways. So this is kind of the thought that these things are triggering this response in us, that we are worried about getting sick. And this could be that fear response to them.
1: Blimey disease. Mm-hmm. Makes sense.
0: Storius's paradoxes. Stimuli with humans and non-human traits underlying a sense of human identity. By lurking quantitatively different categories, human and non-human, by the quantitative measure degree of human likeness.
1: Hmm. Do you understand what I just read? You might have to repeat that. No,
0: I don't. I've read it a hundred times. I don't understand what it means.
1: L- let me read it and then I'll explain it.
0: Storius paradoxus. Okay. Stimuli with human and non-human traits underlying a sense of human identity by linking quantitative difference in uh, different categories, human and non-human, by a quantitative met- meter. Degree of human likeness.
1: Okay, so I'm I'm assuming it's something it's confusing our brain
0: because it's mixing both human and non human into the same box and our brain does not like it.
1: Yes. So it's something that's human like, but it's got non human qualities attached to it. Mm -hmm. And then ours that's what's setting off like, uh, something's not right here. Uh, that's what I think it means. Yes.
0: Violation of human norms is the next leading theory for this. If the entire looks significantly non human, its human characteristics are noticeable generating empathy. However, if the entity looks almost human, it elects our more model of our human in other to be more detailed of the non-human parts. Makes sense? Basically, uh basically if you look less human our brain has more empathy, like a dog. Like, yeah. like we're looking at an animal.
1: If it looks less human but has human qualities, it's like, oh, okay. yeah, like, oh, that's cute. But this if looks, it looks human, human and it
0: has less human. Our brain's better at picking
1: out yeah. the non-human qualities. Which has to be something had to have happened in our past, something for this to like just be a natural response. This
0: next one's a really big theory. Uh, conflicting perspective cues. Kay. This goes everything from this is a crazy one. I'm not going to read it all. Because it goes in from everything GMOs to all this stuff, like it's a really hard one to follow. Because yeah. it starts with facial cues, and which makes sense to me that they don't. They like I said earlier, they lack the facial cues. They lack being able to mimic our, you know, our, we talk with our faces, with our yeah. eyes, with our eyebrows. Right. You know, they lack that ability to fully map that. And then it goes into stuff with GMOs and cognitive dissonance and stuff. It just whoever made this theory, I think, was high themselves
1: well here here could be the thought see if i can follow along maybe like maybe in our past there was a point where humans were manipulated you know genetically or whatever or through their food or the you know to make their you know like you said we talk we're expressive we talk with our face it's natural human emotion we we talk with our bodies and stuff like that but when you like dose people or drug people you know i'm not saying that you take away those human qualities away from them and make them more robotic. So they're more obedient, you know, workers or slaves or stuff. And maybe that's just like a response to that. It's like naturally, it's like, no, we don't want to go back to that. It happened in our past.
0: I'm not saying you're wrong. That's not what this theory is about.
1: Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's what I'm making. And I'm making it that.
0: That's a whole different thing. This, I'm telling you, this is, I'm not going to read it all because it doesn't make any sense to me.
1: That's what they meant in layman's term. I just br- boiled it down.
0: No, you what you just said is more cognitive than anything this this theorist to ever put forward. And he's from Belgium too, so
1: see Belgium people just like to, they you don't know, get it. They add bells and whistles to they everything just, just to it. make themselves feel more important. Kind of like the French, but to a lesser degree.
0: Threats to human dissonance <laughs> and identity is the
1: next theory. I just had to take her. you know.
0: Negative reactions towards these very human like robots can be related <laughs> to the challenge of the kind of ro- that robot leads to in our categorical human and non human distribution. Uh, So it's very similar to the other one with like kind of our brain having problems with the box. You get it. Uh, My last one is for you. is religious definition of human identity. Okay. That whatever part of us, and this is a very cold calculated version, that they think religion is just a part of human psyche. Like we have to have religion as a part of our psyche. I don't think so personally, but that's what this theory is about. And that this directly fights with that part of our brain
1: okay hmm well i mean
0: that's the leading theories for the uncanny valley
1: if i can or extrapolate on that perhaps in my opinion maybe i mean i could see religion being like a especially organ you know have having that part within us i don't know if it's just to explain the unexplainable or just that The way the world works that we don't really understand, like those, you know, the spiritual realms, the different things and religion kind of does a really good job of explaining those things. So what this
0: theory is, the science, this part is saying that we have completely made up religion is like it's a fundamental part of our brain. Okay. It's not real, but it's just what something humans do. And this directly violates that part of our brain. Hmm. There's somewhere in our brain there's a – and that's just not what I believe. This is what this theory is stating. Yeah that there's a small note of our brain that creates all religion hmm. and that it's fighting with
1: that part. Doesn't, isn't that kind of contradictory? Sure. Well, here's a part of our brain that's just there, and it's always there, and it always creates this, always has, but that thing's not real. Our, our brains were just born with it and have always you know created that. Oh. I'm not saying
0: – I don't like this theory. I don't like yeah. any of them, really. Like I don't like a lot of these. Yeah. All right. So like I promised everybody – <laughs> Let's get back to some paranormal. Because I directly think this relates to the paranormal.
1: Yes, I agree. 100%. Now,
0: I'll give you one Hail Mary pass. What do you think I'm about to connect this to?
1: Well, you're going to connect this to human like entities from other dimensions that uh, have affected humanity in the past. And now we have our defenses up to defend against them.
0: Nope, dang it. All right. Vampires.
1: Vampires I mean, it's close. Now I'm it's using basically vampires. what I said this
0: not just vampires, <laughs> but I'm using that kind of a thing of a predator that looks vaguely human. yeah, but he's a predator of humans. yeah. so I'm gonna talk about Neil Bloom he's a he's he's a he was on uh, Joe Rogan but he does like a bunch of movies and stuff like that. So this is directly his idea with another author. Okay. So And it sparked me. I've heard this years ago, and it's always stuck with me for the Uncanny Valley. So I'm going to kind of give you my breakdown of his, his theory. Okay. Or not even his theory. It's his idea for a book that he thinks could be real. Okay. Uh, so this is a predator-prey relationship between this ancient human offshoot. Uh, so it is like, you know, we talked about all these ancient humans, everything from Denisovans being eight foot tall to the pygmy people. Mm -hmm. Like the actual like three foot tall uh, Sumatran pygmies, right? Yeah. So there's tons and tons of humans, and a cool thing is connecting this back to biology that when we have specification of one major group, almost all the time, a animal will emerge that is a predator of the rest of the group from within itself.
1: Mm, Okay.
0: It happens from fish to mammals to reptiles. It's happened the whole gamut of life multiple times throughout history, to where it's called species radiation where one species takes a a ton of niches. So what are like the Denisovans taking the cold north and, you know, fighting, you know, they're big enough to work. Cave bears weren't that big a deal. Right. You know, a nine foot tall human that's built like, not like a genetically a human, a homo sapien that gets nine foot tall is normally very unhealthy because their hearts don't change size. Right. These Denisovans were built to be that big. So very formidable creatures to the Sumatran pygmies that evolved to fit their rainforest needs. Lower food, not able to farm, so they have to have smaller bodies to, you know, save this stuff. Right. So when we see this happen with other species in history, whether it's a fish, reptile, or mammal, a lot of times, even uh, a synapsids, it happened.
1: Ooh. It
0: did. And The only poisonous, one of the poisonous reptile mammals came from this. That A group within itself will emerge to hunt the rest of the group.
1: So it's kind of like, Ah, uh, never mind. Bad example. I'm not going to even go there. Keep going.
0: So that's what this theory is getting at, that a long, long time ago when humans started species, or speciating, the species, uh, the evolutionary radius, that a member stepped off very early. And they may look like us a lot, they may not, and they started preying upon the
1: other groups. So it's kind of like you public schools. You get a bunch of humans packed into one little space, Pretty much everyone's going to homogenize, you know, everyone fills their niches, their cliques, you know, but you're always going to have that one offshoot, like, bully, not bully, but like the one person that's going to prey on the other students. Yeah, bully, the bully. Okay. He fills that niche.
0: So this is an ancient step off of of humans somewhere, and they could be really ancient to where they don't look very human, you know, mm-hmm. these more bestial creatures, or they could be very still evolved to be very human-like. To blend in. Like we've talked about, maybe with Bigfoot, you know, is an actual human step-off that happens to look very apish. Right. You know, they're actually a member of the the Homo branch somewhere.
1: But to fill that niche yeah, living... You know, they got hairy, you know. They went
0: back to being hairy to stay warm, you know.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Got big and strong to survive out there.
0: With this evolutionary radiation, another thing also occurs. So, like I said, it happens in fish, reptiles, mammals. It's happened the whole gambit of life. Oh, boy. The species that normally preys upon the other becomes hyper-intelligent compared to the rest of the group.
1: Hmm, okay. Not
0: saying the rest of the group is not intelligent. Right. But almost every time, the predator is much more intelligent than the prey source. Makes sense. So we look at these vampires of history. They're often hyper-intelligent. They're often, you know, knowing a ton more. They're almost godlike to you know, humans because they know so much more. Uh, and they normally have, you know, super speed, super strength. It's called hyper evolution. And it's because they are co-competing with direct ancestors mm, or direct okay. relations. They evolve much quicker rates. Wow. So this has happened in nature. Yeah. So I'm, I'm using my vampires. I'm not saying it's vampires. But I'm using vampires as an this example vampire, yeah. of
1: these creatures. Makes sense. It's a good way to picture it in your mind.
0: So this has happened. This hyper evolution has happened with predator and prey since the beginning of time, specifically relationship to related individuals mm. as in the, in the same family order okay if you want to look at it as a more primate you know bonobos directly evolved to hunt all the other not not apes but all the other monkeys in the area mm-hmm. a distant ancestor that that's pretty much the only meat they eat is it's, other primates really yeah because oh, they love doing it
1: screw that
0: and they'll like run them into like you watch bonobos hunt like sugar babies and stuff like that yeah and it's they do it so effectively and the sugar babies don't even realize that they're bush they're, babies. They're being hunted. They're at being the... hunted and ran into a certain point. Right, yeah. Whew. Yeah. So if we apply that same thing to us, an to ancient humans. human step off. Now, where if this was happening, wouldn't they overtake us?
1: There's probably not as many.
0: So I'm glad you pointed that out. So almost always in nature, it has its own governing system to where predators often have tons and tons and tons less offspring than the prey sources. Yeah. Uh, for example, lions, most of their big prey animals outnumber them about 2,000 to one animal. Okay. So for every 2,000 prey animals, there's one lion.
1: Okay, gotcha.
0: Uh, and that's accessible prey. Not there's 2,000 animals, period. Right, right. Accessible prey items. For the lion. Uh, you look at mountain lions, it's even it's even a greater number. You know, sometimes four or 5,000 animals to for one. one. Yeah. So if this is a human predator, it probably has a further step-off point. Now... There's In his theory, he puts it that these things hibernate or they do some form of stasis to where they'll hyperfixate an area and feed and feed and feed and reproduce and then they'll go to sleep or they'll go into stasis for you know decades or centuries right. at a time.
1: Like Dracula laying in the coffin? Just like that.
0: It's very similar. Now, when we look at this, we have tons of these old stories and I'll get into them here in a little bit of vampires or vampire-like creatures wiping out entire villages... And not being seen again for decades or centuries. Just gone. And it's probably because it's feeding strategy to get the prey to forget about you.
1: Yeah, makes sense.
0: And whether they move around and stuff like that. So we talked about it with uh, the, oh gosh, I just forgot the the giant crocodile from Africa that's killing everybody.
1: Oh, uh, what's his name? It's Ow. like a drug dealer's name. Yeah, I can't remember now. Car- not Carlos. Is it Carlos? It might be.
0: Anyways, the uh, the giant crocodile is killing everybody. That's what he does. Yeah, He's a crocodile, keep in mind, he's a reptile.
1: And then he, but yep. he'll
0: move around, he keeps moving around so the villages don't get too used to him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that could be what's happening here, or it could be the actual hibernation process. To from early days when humans weren't numbering so high, mm-hmm. that, you know, you eat a village, and then you go back into sleep until the village repopulates, you know, in, in a couple centuries, or a couple decades, or a century. What do you think so far?
1: Um, You know, out of all the animals, you know... The most, you can, and we both agree, the most dangerous thing on Earth, creature, is human being. So having a hyper-intelligent, predatory human being <laughs> that's probably got supernatural strength, speed. Supernatural to us. To us, yes. Yes. I mean, a Denisovan,
0: is... to be fair, would have supernatural oh, strength sure. to
1: us. I, even like pro-Magnon man would too, I'm sure. Level
0: us. Yeah. A Neanderthal would level you.
1: Yeah, just squish you. Mm-hmm. I mean, That's because we're we're soft and we live in comfort. And I mean, convenience even,
0: now. I mean, if you go back to Homo sapien a couple thousand years ago, sure, we're not the toughest animals out there.
1: We are resilient. We have a resilience and endurance. Yes, but a fist fight, there's not a lot we're winning. We can only take so much. I mean, an unless, ostrich,
0: an ostrich has, is very capable of killing a human,
1: unless you're, there's one man. Rex, well, he's dead now, but Rex um, ta- or Randall Tex Cobb could have taken a few punches from a. Denisovan and been fine. I don't know
0: if Denisovan. Maybe any Neanderthal I don't know if Denisovan. Oh, he could have. That's like Andre. He
1: had, he had an iron chin. Rex, Cobb. Okay. Yes. So
0: a part of his theory, so continuing with uh, Neil's theory, is that we have, it's weird. So vampires are pretty much in every culture. They're variations of the, of yeah. the legends, but they are in pretty much every culture, whether you're an Inuit or, you know, a native African, like we've talked about, uh, you know, and everywhere in between. And I have a vampire-like thing, a human-like predator. Yeah. Uh, it's very common in
1: archaeology and you know the studies of humans. It, we have it everywhere. And
0: is it a, tempting, a fear we put upon it or is it just because they've been hunting us so long that we keep seeing them?
1: It's just in the recesses of our minds. Now, a
0: lot of these vampire-like creatures from around the world have aversions to religious symbols or have problems entering houses and stuff like that. So uh, Neil's theory is that there are no straight lines in nature, or there very, very rarely there are. So these hyper-intelligent beings have problems because they move so fast through the, the nature. They move so fast through the woods and stuff. Yeah. They have to do—basically, they're doing calculations. You know, they're moving—you know, of how they move to not run into stuff and not destroy their own bodies. That these straight angles, these 90-degree angles, mess with their calculations, and they avoid them.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: And they have aversions of crosses because it's all 90-degree angles. Right, yeah. And that it messes with some some part of their brain it messes with. Huh. Now, that sounds kind of goofy, right? Kind of, but we have that. There are... No. All types of animals... Yeah. ...have weird, one-off things. Right. Like, elephants are actually scared of mice. Right, yeah. And we don't know why. Hmm. We have no idea why. And... But it's something in their brain that clicks on, like, oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa.
1: Like... Keep in mind,
0: they're not scared of small animals. Right. They're specifically scared of mice. Hmm. So, this exists in nature, uh, to whether it's a natural aversion uh like then then you know these creatures will most likely be nocturnal feeding at night and stuff like that and you know you don't see vampires during the day a lot of this is they they look human enough until you really look at them
1: then you that's when then that, you start
0: seeing these giant teeth and
1: you start seeing that's the uncanny yeah valley part
0: so i have it listed as wendigos skinwalkers vampires and many, many more legends could fall into this category of actually all being one thing right. that is hunting us and is so on the fringe of culture.
1: And I like, you know, how, you know, it comes in—let's just say it comes in waves, you know, to where we kind of forget. We might be in one of those waves or lulls where just these things, they're there, but they're not, like, part of everyday life.
0: I Well, keep in mind if they're hyper-intelligent and you're feeding on people. Yeah. We're going to talk about Missing
1: 4-1 here in a bit. Ooh, just staying in the shadows. Mm.
0: They could be among us too. So a lot of these stories from these vampire-like creatures from around the world. Uh, did you hear
1: that? Yeah, sound like the wind or something like spooky. Like,
0: whoo. I hope it's not my kid. That'd be pretty loud for him.
1: Yeah, I don't think it was him, and I think it came from outside. So okay, I really hope it's not him.
0: Yeah, that was weird.
1: Anyways, open the window. He's outside floating.
0: Uh, well, Halloween's over. <laughs>
1: yeah. We're closing curtains back up. Mm-hmm. You can stay outside now.
0: Uh, Where was I going? What uh, was I saying? Uh, no, so that these creatures could be among us because they look enough yeah. like us until and we talk about all these stories of the smiling men, all these men in black-ish stories, what they, these creatures that look human until you get close enough and you're like, oh.
1: The imposter. Mm-hmm. Just like the game. So what among do you think us. about that? Oh, I mean... It, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense only because. Was well, that in this episode? We kind of we kind of talked no, about like okay. that's Patreon, okay. Like uh, uh, so so
0: Patreon this week, everybody is directly connected to this episode. That's correct. It's kind it's, of
1: a, a deeper dive into police. Uh, the police actually fighting these things and actual police reports involved with redacted information mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But um, we know these things exist just from. Us being in this, excuse me. Us being in this field, we to the everyday person, you know, they're not gonna believe in this stuff, and we you know, we don't fault them for believing that. until you had your own experience, that'll make you a believer. But I mean, you know, there's people that are open to it without having an experience. But you know, nine times out of ten, people aren't gonna be like, yeah, okay, this stuff's all real, until they have an actual experience themselves that can to convince them otherwise. Um, so you know, this kind of fault, you know, these things we know, we know they're out there. We do. So, um, yeah, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. All this kind of falls into place with it.
0: Now, there's another thing. Maybe So I think that this could have evolved alongside of us and directly evolved with humans. Yeah. And there's also another thing that this could be caused by a disease that Ooh. evolves us. Now, is there such a thing as a disease that evolves its host?
1: Uh, I, I, would, I think so. Do you know of any? Let me think here. There's got to be one.
0: Well, I'll just save you the trouble. All right. They're called virophages, which we're going to do a whole episode on eventually. Ooh. But uh, the quick and the short of the virophage is they're supersized viruses, but they have unique anatomy and biology. So these viruses hold old host DNA, Hmm. and they incorporate it into their new host DNA. So a virus, when it infects a cell, it it takes the DNA out and replaces it with its RNA and lets the host cell make a bunch more of itself. Okay. The, and then the host cell bursts and more viruses come out. Virophages do this, plus they give the host cell new beneficial DNA from other hosts. And when the cell bursts, not only does it create more virophages, it also creates a new host cell to replace the old one. Oh. So it's like natural CRISPR. Yeah. But... They have shown success in that we haven't documented this in humans, but they have shown success with not only caring for different species, but completely unrelated species. Wow. Like, just crossing the like lines. Like, fish completely. to amphibians, amphibians to reptiles, reptiles to mammals, and so yeah. on and so forth. Which normally we, does we not can't do. Yeah, exactly. We can't do with our current genetic understanding. It's almost impossible uh, to do that kind of stuff. And we can kind of do it, but it's much more, it's like, you know, needing a tiny, tiny screwdriver and using a hammer. You know yeah. we can kind of do it, but it's more like it's just blasting a hole in it and hoping it works. Right. Yeah. These guys do it on the on the they're smaller than the DNA they're working with, so they're taking it out by hand and replacing bits and sewing it all together. Man. So what if there's this virophage?
1: Well, who invented that, virophages?
0: Well, that's save it for the virophage episode. Oh, okay. So what if there's these virophages that, like, Wendigoism, where these cr- these people start craving human flesh because they're in the middle of transforming to this thing. And they calm down probably after the transfer. It's just getting there.
1: Right, yeah. And it's it's
0: recluses in these people. What if it's a virophage that's changing them into our natural predator?
1: It's like in the movie Teen Wolf, when he's transforming into the wolf, and he's like freaking out and Mm -hmm. going crazy. But once he's the wolf, he's cooling down.
0: Yeah. So what if it's something like that? Mm -hmm. So I think either one is possible. I personally believe that it's something evolved with us. that's a member of us. Yeah. And you talk about people having babies with vampires and all this stuff, probably because they're probably close enough to us,
1: right, they yeah. can still do this. Hmm. Interesting. Ready for some vampire attacks? Vampire attacks? Mm-hmm. Is it really vampires, or are you just slumping that what? in with, like...
0: No, like, uh, they're classified as vampire attacks okay. from, from history and stuff. Sure, yeah. They're said, you know, whether they're a vampire or not, you know, anybody could... I, you know, I'm not a are historian. You? Right, yeah. But they're classified as be- vampire attacks. So we're going to go to Bulgaria. Ooh. The Deke Arui De- a De- a vampire massive killings. Okay. It's D-E-K-E-K-U-O-I.
1: Yeah, no thanks. Yeah.
0: You see you laugh at me when I try to pronounce these things, and then...
1: It's just funny. Like, I don't know. It's just... It's funny.
0: Dek Dek Roo. There we go. Uh, Google that. <laughs> vampires are said to have started out a ghostly-like creature, before they could physically rise from their graves. In the early stages, the vampires could only be seen as faintly by the human eyes. During the night, however, their form uh, started becoming more and more physical, and they even especially noticeably started sparking. Mm. So you remember Twilight had like sparkly vampires? Yes. That's actually a part of folklore in Europe. Oh, goodness. And it was sparks, not okay. sparkles. Yeah,
1: I know. They had to make it so like, I don't know. So in
0: 1863, the vampire of this town, I will not say, say the name again, was reportedly plagued by a mob of young, sparkling vampires. Mm-hmm. Sparking. Yeah, uh, the vampires attacked villagers, screamed outside homes, and uh, threw cow poop at their at pictures of saints. Although the vampires had not taken any physical form, they could still be seen uh, sparking through the streets. Eventually, an old witch fought with them and cast them out. Oh wow! Hundreds of people died in these attacks.
1: Wow, that's pretty crazy. And I mean, this might
0: eighteen sixty three be... is not that long ago. People. No,
1: but it, it kind of. Uh...
0: You hear the word eighteen, you are like, oh, that's you know, hundreds of years ago, and you are like. 100.
1: Is it vampires or one of those electromagnetic field creatures? Yes. Indeed.
0: <laughs> uh, the Vampire of Blue. And that's B-A-U-A. Or B-L-U-A.
1: B-L-U-A? Yes. Okay.
0: It's 14th century. A shepherd named Marshallite it died in the village of Blue in in her town. Or Yeah. After his death... Marillette became a vampire and said to was again terrorizing the village every night. Amazingly, he could kill a person by only uh, calling out their name, Mm. which caused a person to die
1: within eight days. That's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. So if you ever hear your name randomly called,
0: a peasant tried to push a stake through his heart. He mocked them and said the stake would only ward off a dog. After the attempt failed, professional uh, exorcist was tasked with getting rid of him. The exorcist and his attendees moved the vampire out of the village. They uh, they screamed and flung his limbs the whole way out. Oh, so, like throwing his arms around.
1: Yeah. Oh, so they got rid of him. Yeah. Uh, you know how to get rid of vampires, right? Hmm. Wood chipper. There you go. The only proven tactic.
0: So the whole oh gosh the whole, a girl vampire. Oh gosh. It's a German vampire okay. who is said to prefer uh, their own family members as victims. In one of the most infamous cases in the 18th century, several members of notable Worsher family inexplicably died after the vampire's death of a male relative. The family feared that the older man was responsible, so they sent, uh, Saint Jose- or sent Joseph, an accused vampire's nephew, to take care of him. Basically, they're like, it's your, un- it's, it's your, your uncle.
1: Go you, fight him. You deal with it.
0: Armed with an axe and accompanied by a monk with a candle, Joseph ventured into the family crypt in the modern day, uh, Jacob Jacobswaffe, Germany. Preston's going to know exactly where all these are. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Although the, the monk ran away, Joseph was not afraid. He decapitated his uncle's body without a second thought. The young man took the vampire's blood as a souvenir. He was said to have a headless vampire still roaming the family's crypt to this day.
1: Well, at least it can't bite people.
0: So it's weird. You know, all these vampires are part of really powerful families. Yeah. But a lot of times, like with these old stories, the vampire doesn't like, everybody's like, oh, no, George just became a vampire. I, let's say they are hypervolved super predators. I think they uh, move in to one of these opportunities in life. They take over somebody's life. Okay. I think whether they're spiritual or physical, I kind of lean towards the physical. They're like.
1: Might be both. At that point, if you're talking about switching, like
0: not switching places, like they kill the guy
1: and then take it and then take a
0: spot, like because no, he's he kind especially in this time, most of these royals aren't seen, right? By most of the population, so they don't know what they look like, even their families, their distant families, don't really know what they look like anymore. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, I'm you know, I'm Count Olaf, right? Yeah, you know, like
1: I'm Vlad the Impaler, yeah, well, yeah. Is that one coming? No.
0: I I, I just have a couple. He's too famous. The Vam I picked the ones with the fa- the weirdest names. He's uh, The clearly. vampire is a bucking okay. Buckinghamshire.
1: Oh, okay. Buckinghamshire.
0: Buckinghamshire? That's like you just kind of say it all as like one syllable.
1: Exactly. It's what they do in Buckinghamshire.
0: Another interesting story that's passed down from the William of Newbroth concerning a vampire of Buckinghamshire, England. The vampire visited his wife the day after he was buried and tried to kill her in bed. The vampire came uh, back on two more nights until he was chased away by some woman's neighbors. After the incident, he began to attack other villagers, even assaulting groups of people during the daytime. Wow. Bishop Hugh of Lincoln was asked to remove the monster. The bishop's colleagues recommended that the vampire's body be cremated, but Hugh considered the idea to be sacrilegious. Instead, he wrote the letter pardoning the vampire of all his sins. And this letter was then put on the vampire's chest surprisingly the letter worked the vampire was never seen again
1: mm. interesting what do you think so far uh, i mean are vampires actually real yeah probably i i think yes and no i think there's a cartoony version that yes, we have in yes i don't think they're
0: bloodsuckers i don't think they don't think so no i think they're predators i think they eat people yeah i yeah. don't think they're, they're just after the blood i think they're they're an evolved human I ancestor.
1: Wonder, I wonder if, uh, like, the blood sucking thing is more symbolic than. It could be. Like, it's sealing I a mean, life I think it could be
0: associated. That, let's say these aren't demons, that these are physical creatures that evolved alongside us. Yeah. I think that it's more that the Christians and religions at the time put the blood sucking thing as part of a demonic thing. And the vampires may not be demonic. They may just be our predators that evolved yeah. alongside us.
1: But it could also, t- and too, with the, you know, the physical realm and the spiritual realm, you know, really. Play hand in hand with each other. It might just be a being that's tapped into. And I think both. Uh, I
0: think a hyper evolved animal would be would be could be. And and I think th- I think that's one of the options that could evolve. And I don't think that these guys did. Yeah, I just th- that is an option though. Oh, okay. Personally, that's I'm just true. saying. Yeah, who knows? Anything is
1: possible. That's true. Uh, Couldn't have said it better myself.
0: So that's just a couple vampire stories. Yeah. Since we're on the Halloween-y, I wanted to include a vampire. Right. Yeah. But let's get back to. An ancient predator that's hunting people.
1: Okay, back to the Uncanny Valley explanations. Mm
0: -hmm. So, if there is an ancient predator that's human-like hunting people, wouldn't there be a pile of bodies? Like, if there's predators hunting us, because we've gotten rid of most of our other predators. Yeah. If these things are still around, wouldn't they be still eating people, if that's what they evolved to eat? Sure, yeah. So, where's all the bodies? They ate them. I mean, where's all the people? What do you mean? Wouldn't you... If you're missing your uncle because he got eaten by a vampire, wouldn't somebody talk about that?
1: I I mean, I wouldn't uh, if—I know he got ate by a vampire. I'm not not bringing that energy back. Sorry, Uncle Dave, but you're gone.
0: So where's all the missing people? Wouldn't there be a big number of missing people if this was happening? There is. (laughs)
1: There is. Yeah, it happens.
0: 600,000 people go missing a year in the U.S.,
1: just in the U.S. Over Let's, half I million. want to say
0: that number again. I think this gets overlooked a lot. 600,000 people. Obviously, the number one state's Alaska. Yeah. Ohio's like number seven.
1: What's the biggest place in Ohio that's like people missing? Are we allowed to say? Columbus. What?
0: Yeah, we're going to get to that. Okay. Anyways, so 600,000 missing people a year. And a lot of them are explainable, uh, but a lot of them aren't. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, so in the U.S., it's uh, roughly 6.5 missing people for every 100,000. Wow. Okay, we have millions and millions and millions of people.
1: Yeah, I know. No, we have billions. No, we I'm talking billions. In the U.S.
0: I think we have 1.3 billion in the U.S.
1: I just wanted to say billions <laughs> and billions like Carl Sagan.
0: So... Let's exclude the missing 411 phenomena with na- na- national and state forests. Okay. Let's just exclude that. Because that can be everything from falling off a cliff to falling in a mine shaft to being eaten by a bear, you know. Yeah, so what up. we think, you know, is, is I think the missing 411 phenomena is a great hodgepodge and this could be a small part of it. Yeah. I don't think all of the missing one people are being eaten by ancient Vamp- human vampires. relatives. But I do think some of them are.
1: Yeah. Woods are a weird place. But let's exclude that.
0: Okay. There's still hundreds of thousands of missing people a year disappear inside cities without a trace.
1: Like our Patreon episode coming up. Yeah,
0: Exactly. Inside city limits. Yeah. They just disappear. So in cities, most of these unsolved missing people cases are almost always around sewer openings, small woods, drainage systems, dark alleys, and abandoned buildings. And you're like, no dip, Justin. Of course, you know, people go missing in alleys in cities.
1: Right, yeah. But you know what this just made me think of though? Hmm. Maybe soft disclosure in the movie Stephen King's It, where's all the places the clowns initially Dad. hiding? Oh, did I steal that?
0: It's okay. Go ahead.
1: Was it on it yeah. on your list? Go ahead. He's hiding in the sewers. He's hiding right on the edge of the woods. He's, and I, and he's all of these places you're saying.
0: Modern humans have an aversion to the sewer system, and it may be because it's you know it's stinky or whatever. But the water storage system does not have. Fecal matter in it. Like the one in the middle of the street does not have fecal matter. There right. It's just a rain system to go yeah. to the creek. Mm-hmm. We're scared of them. We have a genetic, it's becoming a new genetic fear. Mm. Why? Because these, okay, my thought is these modern predators are moving the, into these systems yeah. to feast on us.
1: It's a perfect place to hide. So
0: there's a missing person in Columbus, Ohio, uh, that had his tracker on him. And his last location is this little swamp downtown Columbus that opens up into the sewer system underneath.
1: And then it just ended
0: there. Well, he went underground is what most gotcha. most people believe is his body ended up underground somehow. Yeah. And it would, couldn't track him anymore. No signal.
1: Jeez.
0: That is a th- story that's unfolded a thousand times over here in the U.S. Wow. Whether it's out west or whatever, these sewer systems seem to be the new home of whatever is hunting us.
1: Yeah. Meow. Okay, let's let's firebomb every sewer system.
0: Now, you remember that video that came out a couple of years back of what appears to be a humanoid thing that is yeah. seen by the sewer cam
1: Pu- poking around the corner. Mm-hmm. Yep, a couple now, times.
0: Now, that video is 100% real as in that it is is edited. Non that it is a real thing being filmed. Yes. Whether you want to believe it's a raccoon or a vampire, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. Whatever it is. So, I think that these things have moved into modern day they're feeding on us still yeah but in cities in national forest but in cities specifically we're expected for people to go missing murders and stuff like that lots and it's of people easier to go unnoticed yep so these abandoned buildings these storm drainage systems these small woods these
1: alleys and if, if you're you know if you're intelligent enough to know like Okay, I know when to come out. I know when I can be detected. I know. I, I can think they're still somebody.
0: living among us, and these are their feeding grounds.
1: Mm, okay, so you think that they're, they're moving are... into these areas to eat, just to eat,
0: and not be found?
1: Yeah, hmm. that's where all the bones are.
0: I, I'm not joking. I believe you. It's it, that I still think that they could be living among us, or they act like they could even be acting like they're homeless or whatever, you know. And it, you don't look at them until you realize that there's something weird off of them. Yeah. And think about all these weird, like we talked about the smiling man on Patreon this week. Yep. Uh, the grinning man. How much human they look like, but how well dressed they are. Yeah. They're
1: almost the aristocrats. That's because they're stealing all the people's clothes they're eating. That, or
0: they are the aristocrats. They're these giant rich famous people. Or the are not even famous. These giant rich powerhouse people that have been stealing wealth from humans forever. Like the accrued. Vanderbilts? Well, it could be any of them. Okay. And they come out to hunt because it's a part of their nature. And we see that with other animals that, like lions, don't want to be fed. They want to hunt. Jurassic Park, right, the T. Rex, yeah. don't want to be fed. It wants to hunt.
1: Exactly. It's your natural. It's, it's a part natural, of it. Dogs yeah. even still have
0: it where they want it to hunt.
1: Yep. Oh, our dog, our child loves it. What do you think? I'm. It makes sense. It adds up. It's. Uh, but it's. Hmm.
0: I think vampires and the smiling man could be the same thing.
1: Same phenomena. Yeah.
0: And I'm talking very basic vampire, not like. All the vampires.
1: No, yeah, not Dracula Dead and loving it vampire. Yeah, although if he was your I'd want to. I'd have a beer with him. He's cool. He's a cool vampire. You've seen that movie, right? Mm-mm. Dracula Dead. And lo- Leslie Nielsen plays Dracula. Mm-mm. You know who he is though, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's great. It's funny.
0: So, you know, vampires have their version Like, there's all these stories from our the world. The vampires like not wanting to cross water, not going into water, and stuff like this. Okay. If they are moving at hyper fast speeds and they have much more high, dense muscle, they'd have higher density bones. They might not be able to swim. Mm, sink. Yeah. Uh,
1: or maybe water, they just... It, it's hard for them to move through. It could be it, yeah. it could be any of it. And then they drown.
0: So what do you think's happening with all this? And that may not be vampire, but the whole phenomenon of the Uncanny Valley. I have my options for you, but I'm going to give you first crack at it.
1: I just think it's... Uh, there was something in our past, or, or currently still, obviously, but... It, just imitated human beings enough but was a was not a friend of humanity obviously was a killer of humanity and within our dna or within our just recesses of our mind we we know like we got to still be aware of this we still got to have our defenses up and you know we got so much stuff going on nowadays that we're distracted by that can you know prevent us from being aware of these things anymore but still deep down within it's a feeling that just will never go away because it's probably placed within us by our ancestors to make sure whatever happened in the past doesn't recreate itself or happen again that's my thought okay i'm agreeing with you okay let's
0: talk about what that thing is
1: yeah what is that thing
0: so my first option for you and i want your percentages as always a human offshoot, the kind of my, this is my big push. My theory yeah. is that it's an ancient human offstep that evolved with us to hunt us. I still think they're out there. I think I think more people have seen them than they realize. Right. Yeah. They look enough like us from a distance that you just nobody you ever concerned about.
1: And if you're not paying attention like closely, you're not going to notice. So what do you think about this? I could be like fifty-five percent. I'll give it over fifty.
0: Okay. A demon. So these are actually demons that are filling this role, this niche. Yeah. Not a human. And they look they they're mimicking us to hunt us, whether it's torture, uh, whatever. What do you think?
1: Now I can believe this, yes. Now what if also to like combine a couple ideas, what if human beings are like summoning these demons or like using the demons to collect, you know, whatever they are the human beings basically and to feast on them.
0: For this uncanny valley.
1: Yeah. Like they're they're like you're using demons. And that's what's scary to us. It's like, holy crap. We know this is looks like us, but I, I can clearly see it's not just enough. And that might be the demonic qualities of a demon that just like, are it's marker, like can't get away from it. So yeah, I could I could fall on this one too. Demons, mm. can't rule out demons ever. 50, 52%.
0: Just humans killing humans.
1: Oh, well, that's always happening. But we've heard enough stories where it, some of these things are not just no, humans. Now I'm talking
0: about Uncanny Valley, the, the genetic fear. Oh,
1: oh, just of other... Uh,
0: so this is from, especially this... Uh, the main theory with this one is from different races. Yeah. B- so this fear of new races coming into your territory, and most of the time, it's not good for one or the other.
1: And I can see that because it still, unfortunately, still does play a role today.
0: But this may not be humans killing humans on purpose. This could be disease. This could be all that other stuff we talked about at the beginning.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, even, like, let's say, you know, back in the past, even now you live generations 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 with just people that look just like you and someone new comes in that clearly looks completely different i can see that being like a fear if it ever happened in the past where someone different came in and you know hurt killed or did something
0: it happened a lot yeah. uh, most archaeologists believe humans got down whether it was disease or something like that to a very low number at one point
1: yeah so I'm, it makes sense or predators what or predators predators
0: that's why they got down to a low and the the predators were like, whoa, 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 we better scuttle out. There's oh, gotcha. We need some
1: we long need st- pig. Yeah, we need f- huh? Long pig. Long pig. That's, that's what, what humans, humans are called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people think that.
0: No, I mean that's I've literally watched the interview with the cannibal, and that's what he describes it
1: as. Well, some people think pigs are genetic, like people, human beings that were cursed and turned into. I don't think so. Ungulates.
0: Even or odd toad? Huh? Even or odd toad? Even. You got lucky.
1: I knew that answer.
0: All right, here's one for you that we kind of really didn't discuss, but it just was something that stuck in my head. Another animal that perfectly evolved to hunt us, and they just happen to converge evolution They kind of look like us, uh, whether it's another primate or maybe even something more ancient than that.
1: Yeah. All right. I'm not putting this one as high on the list, but I'll give that one a 10 percent It's possible.
0: This is just one I had to throw in there because I've seen somebody else throw it.
1: And the one you're about to say? Mm-hmm. Okay. Bigfoot. Bigfoot, huh?
0: Did we just have this here, where, like Denisovans and Bigfoot and the stuff like this, these giant races uh-huh. that look human-ish. I mean, from all of our eyewitnesses and counts, you know, whether a Bigfoot is a human or not a human, that's oh, gotcha. a different thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But they look human enough, and there used to be some genetic art. There used to be some, uh, where they, either they were eating us or we were fighting them a lot. And same with the Denisovans. You know, we know that Denisovans killed other human races. Yeah. We know that. They did that. So... Is that that genetic fear of that's coming from? Is it these things, Bigfoot and other human-like things? Whether they're human or not is a whole different question. Right. It's just they human-like. Look like they're bi- human big, in the face.
1: big bipedal things yeah. that look like it's in the face. Yeah.
0: So we're genetically scared. Yeah. What do you think?
1: Uh, yeah. Very well could be. I'm hoping that I have
0: 22%. My last one for you is interdimensional things like the men in black. Yeah. To where that we think that these men in black are from a different dimension, they are a part of the phenomenon. They are not causing the phenomena. Mm-hmm. And they can look whether they're doing it on purpose or that's just how they they look. They come yeah. They look human-ish until you really look at them and then you start seeing that, oh, you know, they're not humans. Right. Same with the smiling men, which I think are the same phenomena as yeah. what we're talking about today, that they're human predators. So what if that's the same thing? That they're interdimensional creatures, they have to be able to either personify as human. Right. Or they kind of look human enough to pass until you were like, oh, it's got giant teeth.
1: And that that could be like kind of fallen or shape-shifting interdimensional beings like mm-hmm. reptilians or something that they can put on the face to fool you. But if you, you know, the more you focus on them, exactly. it, you peer through the veil and your senses are like, nope, run, run, fight or flight. So what do you think? I like that one. I think personally...
0: I want you to give me your top two in a second. I'm personally between interdimensional creatures mm-hmm. and the human offshoot. So I'm weird because I'm either it's fully paranormal or it's probably fully physical.
1: Yeah. But you might be. I mean, it could be both. It could, just be, both. Combination it could of both, be both too. Which we know both exist. We know both realms exist. Yeah. And they both affect this world. Uh, Man, I'm more for the I'm the interdimensional for sure. Yeah.
0: Uh. <laughs> Mostly on that one. You're thinking of that one?
1: Yeah, I just think that one might yeah, be. And I'm mostly
0: physical, the human offshoot that just evolved to eat other humans. Because it's, to me, it's happened so many times in other species. Yeah. From, like I said, fish, amphibians, you know, mammals. Synapsids was the famous one that, yeah. uh, so, uh, oh gosh, I just forgot the creatures they were called. Uh, you have Menarch, the little tiny burrowers that have little tiny horns.
1: Mm, okay, I don't know.
0: Uh, I don't know what they're called. You're the animal guy. I just forgot his name. Uh listosaurus listosaurus there we go so they're mammal reptile uh ancestors uh during their mass extinction event there is they were 80 or what was it it was 60 percent of all animals that were left on the planet were only listosaurus so because they they survived they were the ones that could survive immediately after that mass extinction listosaurus became every niche they became the giant herbivores they became burrowers, and they even became their own predators wow so that's happened that's the best example you can point like and it happened Really fast, fast. Okay, because they were all open niches. It's, yeah, it's uh, species radiation. Someone's
1: got to take advantage of it,
0: and, they, and it can all be the same species. Right. Yeah, and what happens is, you know, it, whatever becomes a predator leads the race. Right. Yeah, and pushes the rest to evolve even faster. And then once the niches are filled, uh, the species radiation stops, and biologists really can't explain why that happens. They Man. just we've observed it.
1: Well, I, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm yeah with the physical thing. We know humans are already like hyper aggressive when it comes to especially if the ones that are like need to be above the rest need to rule everything it's probably them it's probably them these royal bloodline lizard families it's probably them whether it's they're psychically projecting demons to uh kidnap people and murder them or they can just do it themselves because they're on i don't know some sort of genetic drug that they've been taking for years and stealing from other human beings i don't know see they're hyper predators i'm not even seeing
0: that the elite aren't eating people yeah but they're not the ones running down people and pulling them into the sewers
1: no but that's what i'm talking about it might be like their their pets or like their their i don't know their spawn it could be their spawn i doubt
0: it there is a I don't know. An S C P about that. There literally is an SCP about these blue bloods living in the sewers eating people. I just it just hit me. I mean, look at it's called the Aristocrats. That's what the name of it.
1: Look at Prince Andrew. I could see him living in sewers. Don't name people on this. We're nah, the he, public episode. He deserves it. He deserves it. <laughs> There's my mm, enough so physical public evidence.
0: You're interdimensional and I'm human offshoot. Yeah. I think I so. I think that's fair. I think it's fair. I don't think it, one is more likely than the other. It's just right. pr- personal preference at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I hope yeah, everybody at home enjoyed the Uncanny Valley and kind of understanding what it actually means. Makes
1: more sense to me now.
0: Uh, yeah, because I can't tell you how many people thought it was a place.
1: I did at first mm-hmm. when we first brought it up. But I mean, there's good reason. It just didn't, without any explanation, it's just like it's a place within our minds. It's a place within our DNA. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've been the great and powerful mystery, and I've been J Clone Twenty Seven. Is that what you said at the beginning? Yep. Did we sub out one? Nope, this is me. Okay. All right, guys. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Crips of the Corn podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's the best way to help our show grow. Leave a comment, rate us, a five-star review. And remember, there is always extra content on Patreon slash Crips of the Corn dot com.
1: And don't forget, stay magical.